Welcome to the DevOps Mastery Podcast. We're here to get you from where you are today to being a DevOps master by helping you cut the learning curve down into manageable pieces. So without any further delay, let's get going. Now, where did I put that machete? Hey, Jason, guess what time it is? Brian, I think I know what time it is. I have a watch. You remember what a watch was? Nobody wears watches anymore. No, they all have smartphones. I know. Is that really smart, though? I know. But well, it's I a DevOps right. Mastery podcast time. That's all I know. Ah, awesome. So we're going to record yet another episode here. Well, actually, we've already recorded it, and you're listening to it. so it's... Yeah, no, you just kind of gave it away. Sorry. Um, this week, we are going to talk about five tips to taking the fear out of automation projects, because I have actually gotten a lot of feedback recently um, with terrified people because I was going to automate something. People who don't understand the beauty that is automation. You know, our parents don't count. You know that, right? I know. My wife never okay. understands either, so oh, that's okay. Uh, my bad. Spouses don't count either. Unless they're in IT, then they count. But that's only because they understand and they care. My wife just doesn't care. Is that like kissing cousins then? I don't. I don't know. Okay. You really scared me tonight. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> but before we get into that topic, you're both into IT tech and yeah, you're married. You should have let this go. But okay, yeah. I, I can't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, I have several friends that are co- that are couples like that, by the way. But anyways, um, <laughs> send us your feedback because this was, this is uh, definitely something that came out of feedback. I don't have the person asked me not to identify them, but um, five tips to uh, taking the fear out of automation projects. Like people are actually afraid of doing the automation. Um, this came from feedback at devopsmastery.com. You could also, if you don't feel like sending us a full email, you can definitely send us a message at DevOpsMaster on Twitter. And, oh, yeah, I'm doing a presentation at Ohio Linux Fest. That's right. I was about to remind you. On October 25th. That's the other thing we have to kick off and and remind everybody. So come see me at Ohio Linux Fest on October 25th, 2014. 52 days away. Right. Well, that didn't just give away when we recorded this. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Edit. We're going to move on and talk about the topic of the night. And the topic of the night is that uh, a lot of people get, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, but a lot of people get very nervous about deploying this. And, and I've been asked, how do I handle that fear? How do I manage it? Whether it's my own fear, because I had definitely had fear when I first started and, and doing my first automations. And they're definitely a little scary. Uh, you don't, you know, you, you believe that they're going to work, but you don't know. And so I'm going to give some of the tips and, and things that I use to take the fear out of it from the organizational perspective and myself and making everybody more confident that the script is going to, going to work in the real world. So that the, the scripts that we're writing that are going to change the world are really going to change it the way we said they were going to change it. And growing up in the sixties, huh? Yeah. Except this works being Not stoned all the time. Didn't, but, um, <clears throat> so anyways, <laughs> whatever possible, my first tip is is to use a virtual environment. Virtual machines, whether it's in the cloud or on your workstation or in your data center, wherever the virtual machines are, they give you considerably more options and abilities than a bare metal piece of hardware does. Unless you're testing automation around building bare metal systems, building on a bare metal system is a pain in the butt. 
Um, and it doesn't have really simple things like the ability to snapshot a server and revert back to it in a couple of minutes. When you're doing automation, the, the kind of automation that we're talking about in the DevOps world, um, you're building and deploying something, code, updates to systems, you're managing patches, any of that stuff. If you want to be able to do it without fear, it's really nice to run through it a couple hundred times where you deploy the patches, reboot the system, test it, did it work? Yep, it works. Revert the virtual machine all the way back to before you started, run the script again. And then if you find a bug, fix the bug, then run the script again. But you can almost always just keep rerunning it in a virtualized environment. And every time you'll find more errors or things you could have done better. At a certain point, you got to cut it off and say, okay, this is good enough. It works and it gets us there. So, you know, don't, don't kill yourself with feature creep, but it gives you that tight ability to just flip it back, start it over and make sure that it worked. And you don't have any, any chance of any residue being there. There's no chance that some file that you put in, in the first run is still there. You never really did clean it up properly. And on the seventh run, it worked, but then you go to production with the seventh run, but you forgot that file because you started with a clean slate. So my first tip, virtualization rules. That makes sense? Yeah. You there? I'm here. I haven't right. got anywhere. So the next one is um, is testing, like I was just talking about, doing it over and over and over again. Um, it sounds crazy, but I now run my scripts, my completely new scripts. I am ready to bless for progression. In the next environment, a couple of times, or I run it in every environment a couple of times just to make sure that they're going to go the way I want them to in production. Uh, it gives me a lot of confidence that they're really working, that they're going forward working in every phase. I want to know that I didn't do something weird that made the script work in one environment when I fixed a bug. So if I fix a bug in an environment, um, I'll go back and test it all the way back up through to that environment again to make sure that that same fix works everywhere for that reason, that I don't want it to not work the next time we need to run it. Right. And then once I have the script running cleanly a couple of times in each environment, I'm then really confident that I'm going to move it to the next tier, to the next environment, and it's going to work fine. And I can just keep doing that all the way up run it multiple times in each environment if you have the, the time opportunity. You may not have the time. If you have the time, it's definitely worth running it at least twice, all the way up through. I don't generally do that in staging, but I do in dev and test. Um, and most of the time in dev and test, it's because somebody forgot to tell me to add some part to the script or some setting, and awesome. we're testing that through. But That's always fun. Yeah, it is. It's tons of fun to yeah have people not test stuff they tell you they're testing. So that's my second tip. My third tip, I think I'm on the third tip. I hope I'm on the third tip. My third tip is to ask somebody to do a peer review of your script. This is really just a good practice in general, and I think everybody should do this. It does a couple of things. It teaches other people stuff because you'll pick some way that they didn't think of to do something, generally. Um, when possible, at least for the first walkthrough of the script, I suggest walking the person through it personally. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to be sitting next to them physically. That means you can, you know, you can walk through it on the phone or, or through a script, screen shares, stuff like that. The, we're doing a Google Hangout to record this podcast. That works well too, but there's generally some corporate solution if you're in a corporation that'll provide that screen share capability. WebExes work, whatever. But sit down with the person and walk them through that code the first time. This one step and this one tip has removed more bugs for me 
than anything else, any other testing, because people will look at something and go, why did you do that that way? And won't that do this? And if we do that, won't we break this? And we fix all kinds of stuff before we even start pushing it beyond the first environment, you know, which is generally my workstation. Right. But even before we push it to the first machine that somebody else is going to see, we've actually fixed a few bugs. Hopefully we fixed them all, but it right. doesn't always happen. Nope. New bugs big, form. Yes, new bugs have been form. around since the dinosaur days. That's true. Um, the other part of this is if you're the one being reviewed, you need to remember to be humble and to accept the feedback that you're getting because the feedback is just there to help you. Hopefully the person's doing it right. That's reviewing. Um, it, it should be just good, positive feedback telling you, hey, this is hard to read. Hey, these function names don't make any sense to anybody but you. You need to fix that. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes your code just more usable in the long run. But that'll also build that, that peer review. When you tell somebody outside of your team, hey, I did a peer review of this with somebody, that also gives them an assurance and a, and a comfort level. It helps to increase the comfort level because you had somebody, not you, look at the script. My next tip is somewhat just as silly as the previous one, but always a good idea. And that is to ask somebody else to run the script for you. So I normally do my scripts in dev, sometimes test, most of the time test, but I will ask somebody else to run it in one of the other environments, either a second dev environment, if that's what the application requires, or a QA well, I'm already putting in a test, but in a QA test environment, maybe I have them do that. Um, I do this for two reasons. Number one, it validates that my documentation works. And number two, it validates the procedure that I'm doing. So often my teammates have asked me questions or pointed out things that I forgot to account for in the code or in the documentation, I will have forgotten to say do X, you know, like restart the server right. or something like that. You know, do this automation step and then restart the server because we didn't want to restart the server because the changes don't take effects until you restart the server. So if we wanted to do it ahead of time, we could definitely do it ahead of time and deploy the code and then just restart the server when we, when we got the opportunity. So um, when people are, are running your scripts, they're much less stressed about running the scripts than if you're running them. So they're going to, they're going to take their time, more time with it. And again, it's just like the peer review. It gives somebody else an opportunity to see what you're doing and ask questions. Fresh eyes too. Yeah, it's fresh eyes. And see things like, you know, hey, that error message that you're throwing, that doesn't mean jack to me. So maybe you want to make it make more sense so I can figure out what's going on. And, um, oh yeah, lastly, if your teammate finds just one bug that would have messed you up at deploy time in production, in a word, it's priceless. It's you know, it's confidence building. It's everything. So don't don't forget. That's the reason why we're doing all this communications and we're asking other people for help and we're looking for them to help talk us through stuff or talk through stuff with us is because we want them to to do this stuff and we want to be successful and we want everyone to be successful. My next tip, which I'm not sure which one I'm on. Oh, I'm on tip five. Yep. Yay! This is the fifth tip. So tip number five is communicate and uh, communicate and communicate some more. And then when you're done, you might want to try communicating. Huh. So things that you need to do to succeed and get in life, you need to do and work too. Yes. 
Got it. Very much so. Um, communicating that you're trying to automate stuff cuts both ways. People will either be very afraid of it because you've never done it before, not necessarily you as a person, but you as a company, um, or they'll be, if they're smart, well, that's not true, that's not fair, but if they're, if they're really forward thinking, they understand that the automation will make things more consistent. Uh, more often than not, I have to prove that to people, but developers specific or specifically get excited when you start talking about you're going to write code to do stuff because they know the code's always going to run the same way. So you may have a bug, but that bug will be consistently everywhere. Awesome. <laughs> Which is fine because then you either know how to fix it or you know how to code around it or somebody may have coded around it. Yeah, all that good stuff. So communicating also involves everybody. So it gives you a bunch of, of shiny, happy devops hug type situations. You know, you get to tell people, hey, we're doing this. Yeah, and HR doesn't like that, though. Yeah, you no, got to watch the hugs. No, okay, you yeah. hugs. Yeah, don't, don't do real hugs because you get in trouble with HR now. Right. Just, it's kind of silly. But anyways, so to, uh, to move on here, to do your best to make it sound like you're not asking for people's permissions to do the automation, which I've seen people do, and that tends to get a lot more feedback than, hey, I'm making you aware that we're automating this new process to make your lives better, to make our lives better. Um, this is just the first step, and here's the stuff that we're doing with the scripting, and this is what we're going to automate. Once you send out a message like that, the feedback will be, hey, why aren't you doing X or why aren't you doing Y? And then it gets you into that conversation where you can say, we're just trying to do this as a first step, then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. And you may find out from your users that, hey, you know what, the thing in the middle, they don't really care about, but this thing at the end, they really want first. And as long as it doesn't rely on all the other steps between them, you can shuffle those things around. And you may find that, that you make happier customers quicker just by communicating that you're doing this automation and what you're doing with it. Um, so, yeah, just communicate. That's that's a big part of what I'm saying in this, this conversation. Well, and remember, communicating is not asking for permission. That's another key. I'm sorry, Jay, I cut you off. No, I said well put. Oh. So just to summarize, here's the things to remember. Start using virtualization. Test, retest, test again, retest, test. <clears throat> yeah, test a lot. Do peer reviews of your code. Have someone validate that your script and documentation is valid and good and working. And communicate early and often and repeatedly so that everybody knows what you're doing. Before you run the automation in any environment, make sure you communicate it, that kind of thing. With each new piece of automation that you put out, people will react to it more positively. There'll be a lot less fear. At a certain point, they might get annoyed with you for sending out the communications about the automation that you're doing just because they're like, well, yeah, you guys do this stuff all the time. When you get to that point, then you need to start going, okay, this is the automation. This is what we're going to do. This is the, the direction that we're heading. Give us your feedback. And that'll help you then to refine the process of what you should and help you with your prioritization. Because it's often hard to decide what to pick to script next because there's so much to script. So asking for feedback and communicating what you're scripting definitely will help with that. Does that make sense, Jay? Yes, sir. All right. That does it for another episode of DevOpsMastery.com. Remember that if you would like to give us feedback, this was a definite feedback response. Give us feedback at devopsmastery.com, and you can, oh, that was email. 
and then you can tweet us at DevOps Master, not Mastery, just Master. And oh yeah, I'm doing a presentation at Ohio Linux Fest. Are you DevOps really? On October 25th. I did not know that. So please come join me at Ohio Linux Fest if you're in the area, or if you're not in the area, watch for a video. And you want to get into the area. Or if you're listening to this after October 25th, 2014. Hopefully we'll have a video posted. Hopefully I'll have a video posted. I should. Shouldn't be that hard to do. May not be that good a video. <laughs> Your mom might want to you know, record it. Moms are always proud of their boys. Sure. Yeah. Great. Okay. <laughs> On that note, bye, everybody. Have a good evening or day or night or morning or breakfast. Ooh, breakfast sounds good. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the DevOps Mastery Podcast. We really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to listen to what we have to say about DevOps. All of the content in this podcast is copywritten by Brian Wagner, his co-hosts and guests, and of course, DevOpsMastery.com. The music that you're hearing right now and you heard in the intro is copyrighted by Daryl Allen. And again, we look forward to hearing from you, so don't forget to send us some feedback at feedback at DevOpsMastery.com. Have a nice week, everybody.